Chapter 5 Brant slept late the next morning. His room was dark, but glancing at his clock, he saw that it was already after ten. Through the thick cover of trees outside the window, he thought he spotted a patch of blue October sky. A sunny Sunday, he thought with satisfaction. A good day for a long drive. I've got to get away from Mom and Dad for a couple of hours. They're working my nerves. Downstairs, he found his parents in the driveway, unloading groceries from a battered blue minivan. Go help your mother, his father ordered. There's a 12-pound turkey in the back seat, and I don't want her to strain her back lifting it. Brent carried a turkey into the house for his mother. We practically bought out the store, she told him. I've got roast beef, chicken, vegetables, cake mix. What would you like for dinner tonight, Brent? Roast beef sounds good, Brent replied, shoving the turkey into the refrigerator. I'll make devil's food cake, too, Mrs. McCloy said. Have you finished unpacking your room, Brent? his father asked. I haven't even started, Brent admitted. I'll get to it. But I thought I'd go for a drive there. Check out the area. Can I take the Honda? His father frowned. We've got a lot of settling in to do. I was hoping you'd finish in your room and start unpacking the books. I'll get to it, Brant promised, picking up the car keys from the kitchen table and jiggling them in one hand. I won't be gone long. Brant, his father protested. Brant dashed out the back door before they could stop him. He jumped into the dark green Honda and quickly backed around the van and down the driveway. His parents ran to the front yard, waving their arms at him, motioning for him to come back. He pretended not to see them. Lowering his foot hard on a gas pedal, he roared off down Fear Street. He sped up even more when his house vanished from sight. The old houses whirred by. Slender beams of morning sunshine poked through the old trees that lined the street. He rolled down the window and let the cool autumn air wash over his face. This is just what I needed, he told himself. To get out of the house, to get moving, to feel the air. With a squeal of tires, he turned off Fear Street and headed out of town. He jammed a cassette into the tape deck and cranked up the volume. He sang along with the music. Don't care if I live, don't care if I die. Nothing but foreign fields on both sides now. A long, twisting highway, nearly empty. Okay, let's see how fast I can go, he thought. He jammed his foot down and watched the speedometer climb. 70 miles an hour. 80. He flew around the tight curve, spinning the wheel, enjoying the excitement of not knowing what lay around the next curve. The road climbed into low brown hills. Brant blasted the music and kept his foot jammed down on the accelerator. The road veered to the right and then sharply left. He gazed out over a deep gorge that plunged straight down on his right. A narrow river wound through the valley far below, sparkling in the sun. Beautiful, he thought, following the course of the river with his eyes. When he turned back to the road, the red oil truck already filled the windshield. I'm in the left lane, Brant realized in panic. He cried out and frantically cut the wheel back to the right. But the car bounced out of control. Too far, too far to the right. The oil truck's air horn rose like a siren. He slammed his foot down on the brake. The car skidded across the wide shoulder, heading straight toward the deep gorge. Chapter 6 Gripping the wheel with both hands, his foot all the way down on the brake, Brant shut his eyes and waited for the fall, waited for the long slide down. When the car didn't move, he opened his eyes and saw the car wasn't moving. Oh man, he cried, jumping out of the car. The right front tire hung over the edge of the gorge. The other three were safely on the ground. Oh, man, he repeated, shaking his head. He hurried back into the small Honda. Brant shifted into reverse and pressed the gas pedal. The tire skidded in the dirt. The car slipped, but in the wrong direction, further out over the gorge. Come on, Brant shouted to the car. When he hit the gas this time, the rear tires caught the road and pulled the car back. The right front wheel eased up over the edge of the gorge and back onto the shoulder. Brant stopped for a second and caught his breath. Then he made a U-turn and sped back toward home at 80 miles an hour. That was fun, he said out loud. Man, that was fun. 
That night, Brant lay restlessly in the darkness waiting for sleep. I'm so tired from putting up bookshelves and unpacking boxes all afternoon, he thought. So why can't I get to sleep? He stared at the ceiling. He listened for raccoon scratches. Silence. So why do I have this strange feeling, the feeling that something was hovering nearby? Something dangerous. It must be moving into an unfamiliar house, he told himself. Or maybe it's the thought that tomorrow is my first day at a new high school. Shady side high. And I'll be the new kid, the kid who doesn't know anyone. He glanced at the clock. I've got to get some sleep, he thought. Or else tomorrow, I'll have dark circles around my eyes like that raccoon. He felt himself drifting off. He closed his eyes. A soft whisper of cold air rippled across his skin. He opened his eyes. Where did it come from? Another puff of cold air, like an icy breath. Is someone here? He thought. His skin tingled. He felt the brush of lips on the back of his neck. Cold, cold lips. And then sharp teeth bit into his shoulder, and he screamed. Chapter 7 The overhead light clicked on. Mr. McCloy rushed to Brant's side. What's wrong? What happened? He grabbed Brant's trembling shoulders and tried to calm him. Brant swallowed hard. My, my neck, he managed to choke out. He rubbed the spot with his hand. It still felt cold. You hurt your neck? You have a stiff neck? Brant's father demanded, his voice clogged with sleep. Let me say it. Brant leaned forward. Something bit my neck, he said. Can you see where? I don't see anything, Mr. McCloy replied, lowering his head and squinting at the back of Brant's neck. Another raccoon? I hope not, his father murmured. He searched the room with his eyes. Then he bent down and checked under the bed. He pulled open the closet door and rifled through Brant's clothes. He checked under the desk, inside boxes, all over the room. Mr. McCloy let out a weary, relieved sigh. Must have been a dream, Brant. A nightmare. Brant rubbed the back of his neck. It felt okay now. His hand moved to the scar in his cheek. It was so real, Dad. I really thought... You're nervous about school tomorrow. That's all, Mr. McCloy assured him. Try to get some sleep, okay? Okay. Mr. McCloy switched off the light as he left the room. Brant settled down in the darkness. He pulled his covers up to his chin. A dream, he muttered softly. Just a stupid dream. He'd almost drifted off to sleep when he felt a cold rush of air on his face again. Brant heard the roar of a vacuum cleaner as he started downstairs the next morning. Peeking into the living room, he was startled to see a short, squat, gray-haired woman vacuuming. Brant had never seen her before. Hi, he called, but the woman didn't glance up. Brant figured she couldn't hear him over the roar. He went into the kitchen. Good morning, Brant, his father greeted him from the table. Did you manage to get some sleep last night? A little, Brant replied. Who's that woman in the living room? Her name is Mrs. Nordstrom, Mrs. McCloy told him. She's going to help me unpack and get the house into shape. Did you meet her? She's very nice. I tried to say hello, but she had the vacuum cleaner going, Brant explained. Where did she come from? Mr. Hankers recommended her the other day, Mrs. McCloy said. I was going to phone her this morning to see if she wanted a job, but she showed up before I even got a chance to call. I guess Mr. Hankers called her for me. She used to work for the previous owners of the house, Mr. McCloy added. Do you want juice this morning, Brant? His mother asked. She opened a carton on the counter and pulled out a couple of juice glasses. Just a little, since it's your first day at your new school. No thanks, Brant said. He never ate breakfast, and his mother knew it, but she couldn't stop pestering him about it anyway. He sat down at the table while his father read the newspaper and drank his coffee. His mother began to store the juice glasses in a cabinet. I keep thinking about last night, Brant said, that, that bite on my neck. Raising his head from the newspaper, Mr. McCloy glanced across the room to his wife. She turned from the cabinet and met her husband's gaze with a worried expression. I don't think it was a nightmare, Brant continued thoughtfully. It seemed too real. Brant? His mother sat down at the table, absentmindedly gripping two glasses in her hands. 
Do you really think there was someone in your room last night? Mr. McCloy demanded, his eyes locked on Brant. I checked everywhere, even under the bed. No, not a person, Brant replied, running a hand back through his dark wavy hair. But something, a spirit of some kind, he smiled. Maybe the house is haunted. Brant's father chuckled. He set down his newspaper. Maybe my research is rubbing off on you, playing on your imagination. After all, you've grown up in all kinds of strange places. Hear me talk about magic and spirits. Maybe, Brant admitted, but I don't think so. Mr. McCloy rubbed his hands together and smiled. Hmm, it's kind of tempting, exciting. What if there is some kind of spirit right here in our own house? Brant's mother flashed him a disgusted look. Can we be serious? There aren't ghosts and spirits floating around everywhere in the world, you know. I'm sure the house is perfectly safe, she insisted. Maybe it's haunted, and maybe it's not, Mr. McCloy said firmly. There could be other explanations. But you'll check it out, Brant asked. Of course, how could I resist? Thanks, Dad. Brant's mother glanced at the kitchen clock. You better get going, Brant, she said. Brant stood up. I wanted to get there a little early anyway. I was thinking I might try to meet a few kids before my first class. Just don't overdo it, Brant, his father warned. Remember, I know, I know, I'll be careful, Brant groaned. He grabbed his backpack from the hall table and started out the door. The day was bright and warm for October, but the McCloy's front yard lay in dark shadow. The trees and bushes were so thick they nearly blocked out the sunlight. Some of the leaves on the trees had turned yellow and red, but they clung to their branches as if for dear life. Brant pulled the collar of his jeans jacket close around his neck. He started across the front yard through the thicket of bushes and trees. This grass is so tall, he thought, kicking a path through the high blades. Mowing it is going to be a nightmare. Maybe that guy Hankers will do it. As he moved toward the sidewalk, he gazed at the sunlight that fell onto the street. As soon as my front yard ends, the sunlight begins, he thought. Weird. He was stepping onto the sidewalk when something pushed him hard from behind. An icy hand tightened itself on his shoulder. Chapter 8 With a startled gasp, Brant spun around and stared into the face of a girl about his age. I'm sorry I tripped, she explained, blushing. I didn't mean to grab you. She was small and pretty, blonde with bright blue eyes. She wore a short gray plaid wool skirt over black tights and an oversized pale blue sweater. Brant relaxed. You scared me, he confessed. Do you live around here? She nodded. I'm Abby Eiler, she told him, straightening her sweater. I'm not usually such a total klutz. How's the new house? I saw you moving in the other day. It's okay, Brant replied. A little run down, though. He told her his name. Are you heading for school? Yeah, but I'm not going your way, Abby replied. You're going to Shadyside High, right? Brant nodded. You don't go there? No. Darwin Academy, she made a face. It's a girl's school. Oh, Brant said. Too bad. Abby laughed. Tell me about it. She tossed back her blonde hair. So it's hard to move, huh? Makes you a little nervous? Or do you always jump three feet in the air when someone grabs your shoulder? I'm a little stressed, Brant admitted with a shrug. It's dark in your yard, isn't it? Abby said, her blue eyes catching the sunlight. All those big old trees. Yeah, it's pretty dark. I suppose you've heard the stories about the house, she said quietly. Stories? What kind of stories? Brant demanded. Abby shrugged. I don't know. Stories about the people who used to live here. I think something bad happened to them. Huh? What happened? I'm not really sure, Abby replied, staring up at the house. People tell different stories. You know how it is. Did you know the family who lived here before? Brant asked, switching his backpack to his other shoulder. Not really, Abby told him. I saw the two girls once. I think. They were twins, but they didn't look exactly alike. Anyway, they didn't stay long. Why not? Brant asked. Abby hesitated. I heard one of the girls died. That's awful! Brant exclaimed. You mean she died right in my house? Abby nodded. Yeah, I guess. Pretty horrible, huh? She didn't give him time to reply. My uncle, 
He says there's some kind of curse in the house, like it's evil or something. Evil. Brant felt a cold chill. He thought of the raccoon that attacked him, and he thought of the cold lips at the back of his neck, the teeth that dug into his skin. But I'm sure that's just a lot of silly gossip, Abby added, seeing the troubled expression on Brant's face. I mean, people tell all kinds of weird stories about Fear Street. She let out an awkward laugh. You'll have to tell me some of those stories sometime, Brant told her. She's really great looking, he thought. I think I'm going to like having her for a neighbor. But her words continued to trouble him. He glanced up at the house, resting in the shadows of the huge dark trees. Then something caught his eye. Something moved in an upstairs window, something dark. It swung heavily behind the glass. Brant stared harder. The dark shape swayed in the window of his parents' room. Brant blinked and stared again, afraid to believe his own eyes. It couldn't be true, but it was. His father's body was hanging in the window. Chapter 9 Brant heard Abby scream. He turned to see her pointing up at the window. She saw it, too. Without saying a word, Brant ran blindly through the tall grass, up onto the porch, into the house. Abby followed close behind. Dad! Brant screamed frantically as he flew up the stairs. Dad! He stumbled and fell against the wall, then burst into his parents' room. Dad! Brant, what on earth is the matter? Mrs. McCloy stood calmly by the bed, plumping up a pillow. What's wrong, Brant? Huh? Brant uttered a choked cry. The bathroom door opened. Brant gaped in shock as his father stepped out. What's going on? Mr. McCloy demanded sharply. I saw you leave for school. Brant turned to the window. One of his father's suits was hanging there. Oh, wow, Brant muttered. He heard giggling behind him. Abby stepped up beside him, her eyes on the suit. Brant burst out laughing, too. A suit, he cried. It's only a suit. Brant, have you totally lost it? His mother demanded. His parents stared at him as if he had gone completely mad. I'm sorry, Brant said, finally pulling himself together. We thought you were that suit, Dad. Mr. McCloy frowned and shook his head. I don't get it. This is Abby, Brant told his parents. She's a neighbor. It's nice to meet you, Abby, Mrs. McCloy said. But, Brant, I wish you wouldn't bring guests into our bedroom like this. I haven't even made the bed yet. Sorry, Mom, Brant said. It was a mistake. A major mistake. He and Abby exchanged amused glances. We better get going, Abby said, starting out of the room. It was nice to meet you. Brant and Abby ran downstairs and outside the house, laughing all the way. I really thought it was a man hanging in the window, Abby exclaimed. Your parents must think I'm crazy, or else very rude. I could have sworn it was my dad, Brant admitted. I was so scared, he smiled at her. He wondered if she liked him, or did she just think he was weird? Would you like to get together on Saturday afternoon, he asked her. Maybe we could study together or something. Yeah, great, Abby replied, smiling back at him. I'll come over around too, okay? Okay, Brant glanced at his watch. Oh man, I'm off to a great start. Late for my first day of school, he waved to her and hurried down Fear Street to catch the bus to Shadyside High. Brand stood in line at the cafeteria, tray in hand. The odor of Brussels sprouts floated out of the kitchen. The girl ahead of him in line wrinkled her nose and said sarcastically, Smells great, huh? I'll bet you never had food like this in your old school. At my old school, we had steak every day, Brand choked. We begged for salad and green beans and Brussels sprouts, but they gave us french fries instead. The girl smiled. She was tall and pretty, with straight black hair to her shoulders, and dramatic blue eyes under heavy black eyebrows. She wore faded jeans, torn at both knees, and a cropped white sweater. I heard there was a new kid, she said, examining Brant with her dramatic eyes. You're him, huh? Brant grinned. Yeah, I'm all new. The new improved me. I moved here on Saturday, he introduced himself. Welcome to Shadyside, Brant, the girl said. I'm Ginny Thompson. The line began to move, then Ginny added, You better let me take you on a guided tour of the steam trays. I hate for you to get sick on your first day at school. 
Brant picked out a knife and a fork and set them on his tray. A girl with short auburn hair squeezed between him and Ginny. Let me cut in, Ginny, she insisted. The line's really long and I'm starving. I had half a Snickers bar for breakfast. That's all, really. The red-haired girl stood a couple of inches shorter than Ginny. She had a bulky black sweater pulled down almost to her knees over bright green leggings. She's really cute, too, Brant thought. He reached behind him, pulled a tray out from the stack, and handed it to Ginny's friend. Thanks, she flashed him a toothy smile. You must be the new kid. His name is Brant something or other, and he's very nice, Ginny told her. But I'm sure it will wear off after a while. It always does. She grinned at Brant to let him know she was teasing. This is my friend Meg, Meg Morris. What's up with the trays? Why are they always wet? Meg demanded, staring in disgust at the plastic lunch tray. Lunch hasn't even started, and the trays are all wet. Why is that? It's a special kind of plastic, Brant joked. It stays wet no matter what you do to it. Both girls laughed. Meg had a funny, high-pitched laugh that sounded more like whistling than laughing. The line began to move. Ginny opened the refrigerator case and took out salad wrapped in cellophane. Check out this lettuce, she said, showing the salad to Brant. It must have turned brown, so he bleached it white. So, why are you eating it? he asked. Wait till you see what the other choices are, Meg said, rolling her eyes. Ginny and Meg told Brant more than he wanted to know about the food in the cafeteria. He managed to get through the line with a ham and cheese sandwich and a carton of milk. He followed Meg and Ginny to a table in the back of the room. A tall, blonde, athletic-looking boy ambled over, a basketball tucked under one arm. He sat next to Ginny and draped his other arm casually around the shoulders of her white sweater. Hey, Gin, he said. Hey, Meg. He narrowed his eyes at Brant and nodded to him. John Burks, this is Brant McCloy, Ginny announced. He's new. Be nice to him. Why wouldn't I be nice to him? John replied, pretending to be insulted. I'm a nice guy. Ask anybody. He spun the basketball in his finger. You play ball? He asked Brant. Not really, Brant replied. You want to try out for the team, Jen suggested. We need tall guys. Mom would go totally ballistic if I told her I wanted to play basketball, Brant thought. She's always nagging me to be careful. But he found himself thinking, I wonder if I could make the team. I'm good at sports. I never played in a league or anything. Just fooled around on the playground with my friends. It might be fun to play on a team, and I get to meet a lot of guys. I'll go to a few practices, he decided. It can't hurt. Then maybe I'll try out. Mom and Dad never have to know. Hey, Brant, John snapped his fingers, interrupting Brant's thoughts. You still with us? What time is practice? Brant asked. You're going to try out? That's excellent, Meg exclaimed. Ginny rolled her eyes. Don't let John push you around, Brant. We have practice every afternoon at 3.30, John told Brant, ignoring Ginny, and tryouts are next week. He turned to Ginny and asked, You're meeting me after practice, right? Ginny shook her head. No way. With all that French homework and a term paper to get started? You're worried about homework. John shook his head in disbelief. That's a new one. He glanced suspiciously at Brant, then he stood up abruptly. I hope you get all your homework done before Friday, he said. Don't forget, we're going out Friday night. I had to really fight to get the car. I won't forget, Ginny promised. No problem. John left without saying goodbye, dribbling his basketball across the cafeteria floor. What's with him? Meg asked. Ginny shrugged. Who knows? That's how John is. He gets jealous of us sit alone and read a book. She flashed Brant a teasing smile and added, But I never let that stop me from doing what I want. Hey, you made it, McCloy. John shoved the basketball into Brant's arms as Brant entered the gym that afternoon. Hey, guys, he called the five or six other boys who were warming up across the floor. This is him, the new guy. He says he's the next superstar. He says his nickname is In Your Face. No way, no I didn't, Brant cried, feeling his face go red. 
You told me you were all state last year, John claimed loudly enough so that everyone in the gym could hear it. Give me a break, Bran protested. Why was John doing this to him? Was he just goofing, or did he really want to embarrass Brant? John took a ball, dribbled to the far end of the room, and started practicing foul shots. Brant slowly and easily dribbled the ball down the court. He spun around and dribbled back the other way, warming up. This is going to be a breeze, he thought. Nothing to worry about. A tall, forty-ish-looking bald man wearing gray sweats stopped Brant on the sideline. I'm Coach Hurley, he announced, fiddling with a whistle that hung from his neck. You're the new kid, right? What year are you? Eleventh grade, Brant asked. Good. Did you play at your old school? Brant nearly smiled at the thought of playing basketball on the island of Mapalo. No, he replied, but I think I can be good at it. Mr. Hurley checked him out. Well, you're certainly tall enough. If you're tall and you're breathing, we've got a pretty good chance of making this team, he said dryly. We'll start scrimmaging in a few minutes. We'll see what you can do. Later, John threw a blue jersey over his head and tossed Brant a red one. They stood on opposite sides of the court on different teams. Coach Hurley blew his whistle. The centers jumped for the ball. It bounced to John. John dribbled down the court and took a shot. Brant tried to block him. Brant timed his jump carefully and slapped John's ball away from the basket. Good, McCloy! Coach Hurley shouted. John grunted. Brant ran down the court with his teammates. A short, wiry boy with curly black hair passed the ball to him. Brant took a shot. Missed. The blue team had the ball again. Brant ran back down the court, guarding John. Brant panted, trying to catch his breath. A line of sweat trickled down his forehead. He glanced at the other guys to see how much they were sweating. Most of them weren't. No problem, Brant told himself. I'm just a little out of shape, that's all. John slipped past Brant and went for a layup. The ball swooshed in. Back down the court. Brant lagged behind his teammates. His arms and legs felt as if they weighed a thousand pounds. Breathing hard, he stopped running and bent over, resting his hands on his knees. You can't be tired already, McCloy, he heard Coach Hurley calling. Make sure you do an extra five laps after practice. Brent nodded, breathless. I can do it, he told himself. I can. I can. I will. I need an alibi, an excuse, Brant thought as he ambled down Fear Street toward the home that evening. Mom will never get off my case if she finds out I've been playing basketball. The sun had already lowered itself behind the old trees. A cool, gusting wind carried a hint of winter. As he turned up at his new house, 99 Fear Street, Brant suddenly remembered Abby's words that morning. A girl died in my house, he thought, shuddering. The house is evil. Abby had said so. The whole street is evil. He gazed around at the neighbors' houses. They all seemed as old and dark as his. Which one does Abby live in, he wondered. He took a deep breath, trying to think of an excuse for being late, and hurried inside. He found his mother talking to Mr. Hankers. I hope you're right, she was saying. I can't stand to think of living with rats in the basement. I don't think they'll bother you any more, Mr. Hankers replied, scratching his black hair. If they do, just let me know. He smiled at Brant on his way out. Where have you been, Brant? Mrs. McCloy asked. It's dark out already. Well, Brant hesitated. The student senate. I decided to join. I thought I'd meet some kids there. His mother smiled. That sounds perfect for you, she said. It meets every day after school, Brant told her. I've already got tons of homework. I better go upstairs and get started. She wanted to hear more about his first day, but he hurried up to his room and shut the door. He didn't want her to see how tired he was. Without bothering to turn on the light, he dropped onto his bed. He sniffed. Hey! Something smells weird in here, he thought. He sat up. That smell again. So sour. Getting stronger. Wow! It... It's awful, Brant thought as the stench rose around him. It smells like... He didn't want to think about what it smelled like, but he knew. It smelled like decay, like rotten meat. I'm going to be sick, he thought. He jumped up and started to the window to let in some fresh air. But he stopped when he saw a light under his closet door. There is no light in my closet, Brant remembered. He took a step closer, his eyes on the floor. The light was green, a sickening green glow 
that seemed to glow brighter as Brand stared at it. He took another step toward the closet, then another. What could be inside? He put his hand on the doorknob and immediately jerked it back. The doorknob felt wet and slimy. It was covered in a disgusting green goo. He rubbed it on his jeans. The slime stuck to his hand. The green glow brightened, casting the entire room in its sickening green. The foul odor rose up around him. I've got to get out of here, he thought. But no. He had to find out what was inside the closet. What was behind that door? He swallowed his nausea and forced himself back to the closet door. He gripped the slimy doorknob and turned it. The closet door pulled open, a flash of white light. What was it? What was in there? He didn't see it until it was too late. And then it sprang out at him choking off his terrified scream.